Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Pardon it. Here's your host, Greg Cody. A big show. I don't know how else to describe this. It's a big, big episode coming at you because we have somebody, a neighbor of mine, uh, which I didn't know until fairly recently, a neighbor of mine. He's uh, Joe Johnson, the Joe Johnson from Joe Johnson's Beetle Brunch. This guy has a nationally syndicated radio show about the most popular music group uh, in history. And we're going to talk to him about how he got started in his career and being a stand-up comic and, and having Beetle Brunch and all kind of different stuff and and meeting Ron McGill the other night and being amazed how uh, how tall he was. A lot to talk about. I feel like you have to be within 10 houses of someone to be a neighbor. Well, I'm going to, you know what? We're going to ask him how close we really are because he knows exactly where I live and I don't know exactly where he lives. So that's creepy. That's creepy. Oh, how great it's would it be if he creepy. was the neighbor at the corner on, on the corner that you always give crap about their over decorating? <laughs> I, <laughs> I know for a fact he isn't, but that's that's a funny thing to imagine. Um, before we welcome uh, Joe Johnson in, uh, I have to make a big reveal here because I've kept it secret. Um, I just got back from Cuba. I was in um, uh, Cuba for my first time ever, and that's a little bit, or it used to be, a little bit controversial down here because hundreds of thousands of People in South Florida are displaced. They're exiles, Cuban exiles who fled the island for freedom uh, and, and to get away from Castro and and um, and later oppressors. And so it's a little controversial to go back there uh, to some people. And I wanted to make clear a couple of things. Number one, uh, it, it wasn't my initiative that that sent me there. It was uh, someone um my wife works with was getting married on the island right. and I agreed to accompany her. What? Christopher's laughing at me. Well, what? I'm just saying like, you're acting like uh, I was not there by choice. It's like you were there for a wedding. Okay. You went pretty <laughs> right. leisurely. Like you're trying okay, to, but, but it's but, also but, funny because you didn't have to reveal this. You didn't mention last week that you're going away or to correct. a wedding or anything, but here right. you are. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to reveal it after the fact. Okay. And I counseled with some of my Cuban friends, including Levitard and some Cuban uh, colleagues of mine at the Herald, I said, is it okay to even admit that I've gone? And the consensus was, you know, 10 years ago, it might've been controversial, but not so much now. Um, but I, I do want to make clear that um, that's an impoverished island, man. I, I can I can see for the first time firsthand why so many people want to get away from that, get away from the poverty, get away from the oppression. Um, the, the idea that... Uh, you're under a, an authoritarian regime that um, that that has more than a 72 percent um, uh, poverty rate, and it's just terrible over there. The the drive from the Jose Marti Airport to where we were staying uh, in Havana was depressing to say the least. So your only experience with like real Cuba was the drive to and from the airport. Yes. Well, we we took one of those. Uh, 
I'd always heard about Cuba was famous for like these 1957 Pontiacs and all these old cars and everything. And it's absolutely true. And most of them are uh, are taxis that drive around rich Americans and um, or, or rich relative to, to Cuba. And and we were in a purple 1955 Chevrolet on a two hour tour and a two hour tour. <laughs> right. Okay, because <laughs> listen, we were staying at the Nacional de Cuba, the greatest hotel on the island. It reminded me of the Biltmore and Coral Gables, just very luxurious, what surrounded was this, what, by poverty. What was the security like around it? It was very secure. Was it like a huge wall? Like what was like, like, was there like water? It was, no, it was fences. It was fences. I mean, it, it wasn't like military security or anything, but it's a funny thing in Cuban hotels. Um, they have to check your room before they let you leave the premises. They want to make sure you didn't steal anything. So that that's weird. I mean, if, if Marriott and Hilton tried to do that, it would be up in arms. But did you did you get uh, away with anything? No, I stole a towel. Did you? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh no, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. They were nice towels, though. They were. Craig starts towels. a foreign conflict over a hotel towel. What do you they think? Nice. What do you think in the room they're most worried about being stolen? Probably just something as simple as the towels. I would imagine. I mean, you know, I'm not stealing state secrets. I'm not bugging the place. Maybe they're scanning. You it are a journalist, a though. Uh, that's true. They that, did. Um, that was an interesting did, part. Like, didn't you go in through customs? They asked you what you did for a living, and you said yeah. journalist. When I would have, uh, dangerous game. They actually, they actually separated me from your mother and started asking me a bunch of questions. Uh, wh what's my religion? What did I do for a living? Why was I there? Uh, it was a little disconcerting, um, but I, I got through that okay. Was that anyway, in America? That was that in America trying to get on the plane to go there? Or no, where? that was arriving in Havana Cuba. Okay. at Jose Marti Airport. Um, but on that on that two hour tour in the 55 purple Chevy, uh, we were going through all these, uh, you know, poverty stricken streets. And then all of a sudden we come into a, a pretty nice neighborhood, like upscale by Havana standards. And the driver, our tour guide, mentioned that this was where the government employees and their friends and family lived. So this was not where the proletariat lived. They live in the in the dilapidated housing. You see dozens and dozens of people waiting at a bus stop to get on a bus that won't fit them all. It, it's just, it's a very depressing place. And I can understand why people uh, want to move from there. But then you but this walk sound, into Dad, but this, but this sounds like a lot of places we've traveled to. Like, this doesn't sound unique to Cuba. It's like you could say this about Miami. I mean, maybe there's more of it. And I'm not saying I'm not trying to compare. Oh, like, please. <laughs> but no, no, you I'm, can say I'm this saying, about Miami. You, you want to retract that. I was really talking about other countries, like okay. other countries we've traveled to. But okay. I'm just saying there are bad parts of Miami. I will, I will acknowledge that uh, it's not unlike some other Caribbean countries we've been to. Right. It, it's, it's certainly uh, not unlike Haiti. It's not unlike some of the Bahamas. But the difference is, uh, this is an authoritarian country. This is a, they can call themselves whatever they want, but it's a communist regime. It has been since Fidel Castro and it, and it continues to be. And, but did you, you get that the, sense when you're around these people in this hotel, like these, like the workers there that live there, are you getting a sense that these are like unhappy people that are afraid to do anything? Or did they kind of just seem like normal people working? Yeah. I mean, the keep in mind the people working at the best hotel on the island. They're upscale, like, right. like they're making money. They're, they're doing very well in Havana compared to 90% of the people on the island. And so they're fine. But 
there's a big mural in the Nacional de Cuba hotel. There's a big mural of Fidel Castro. That's interesting. And and in the gift shop, they're selling Fidel Castro biographies and Che Guevara biography. It's just a weird scene. You know, it's a weird yeah. scene. The whole island seems like it's it's back in the 1970s, um, uh, if not the 1950s. And uh, it, it was just a revelation to me. And uh, I feel for the Cuban people, particularly the ones who uh, want to get out of there and can't. I feel for the uh, hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of political prisoners who are held uh, there merely for speaking out against the government or speaking out in favor of freedom. It's a terrible situation there. And um, that, I bought a <laughs> I bought a T-shirt that your mother forbade me to wear to the island God, because it, she was afraid I would have been arrested. This was such a dumb idea by you, Dad. What okay. were you going to do? This infuriated me, Yeti. My dad had some, like, what was it, Dad? What was this? It was like El Free. Well, go ahead. Libertad para Cuba, which means freedom for Cuba. It's a shirt that you've seen a lot in in like like people around here supporting Cuba, and my dad is like God, and he does like like freedom okay. fighter Greg Cody. It, that <laughs> that is such an annoying thing that you almost did. That's okay. You can make fun of me all you want. My heart was in the right place, and I know it was. And I'll wear that t shirt, perhaps on the Levitard show Tuesday, because um, I do sympathize with the the people who are jailed over there for no reason but seeking freedom and. And uh, it, it's a it's just a terrible situation. And anyway, that was my experience with Cuba, uh, liber, Libertad de Cuba to the uh, to the people over there. And uh, may it happen eventually. Please, Christopher is shaking his head at me just like, like what? at the way you said that, like, why are you like trying to like sound like a, a, a the Cuba? Like, you're just, like trying well, to... because that's the way they pronounce it over there. I know. But that's the way you're supposed to pronounce that T-shirt. Um, I'm glad I went and um, I'll never go again, most likely. But but I'm glad I experienced it, and uh, uh, I, I may pronounce it wrong. But Libertad para Cuba, because I truly believe that that the Cuban people deserve their freedom after all these decades of oppression. You'll never go back there again until we get invited to another wedding. Eh, I, I think I've done that. I think I've done that. You know what else I did? Here's here's what else I did, and I regret it. I smoked part of a cigar for the first time in about probably four years. That's not good. And I lived, and 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 I regretted it. Like I felt it. Like my lungs felt it. So, that's so no, um, so no more of that. No, no. I did bring back one cigar that I'm I'm probably going to get rid of. Yeah, I'll take it. Away. I'll take it. Okay. All right. Okay. Oh man, I'm out of breath. Um, is Joe Johnson ready? I'm trying to decide if the audience would be because I don't think the audience would be very excited about. Uh, NBA star Joe Johnson joining us. So I think that <laughs> honestly, the the this guy's intriguing, interesting <laughs> past actually makes him a more interesting interview than like. I actually think I'd rather have this Joe Johnson than the basketball Joe Johnson. I would too, hundred percent. There's no question about that. Because um, if you would have randomly said to me, "You have a neighbor named Joe Johnson," there's ve- I would have been like, "Oh my god, my dad's doing this thing where he just wants to talk to a friend of his." And I'm like, oh, wait, this guy actually has an interesting story. So this is going to be cool. No, he does. And and I didn't realize until today that he spent like 10 years uh, being a, a stand-up comic. How long, how long has he lived in this neighborhood? <laughs> you can ask him that. <laughs> Just because, you know, in my, you know in, my, in my teenage years, you know, I may have done some... You know, ruckus <laughs> some things. things, ruckus things in the neighborhood. And I just want it'd be funny if, you know, 
Did you defile okay. his garage? Come on, Chris. There was one other house. God, this is a bad admission. So, oh no. <laughs> me and my friends, we, we may have thrown an egg or two in our, oh, of course, in our adolescent God. years at random other houses in the neighborhood, and there happened to be this one house near Tropical Elementary. Dad, I'm only saying that for your context. That we got a couple times, and then we, when we were passing back, like a half hour later, the guy was out there, like cleaning the car with oh my God. a hose. So we may have like a tap. It's it's terrible. Like it's really like atrocious. Like just stupid adolescent, like sophomore in high school, just the worst. Like I'm, I'm obviously the season for egging. So right. So and so that became a thing. Like we where we like threw eggs again when he was washing his car. So now anytime we egged for the next few years. Always that guy, like that house always got it. It was like, that's terrible. It would just be hilarious if that was him. Let me ask. Well, shall we find out? No, I'm, I'm now scared. And He's in not. the waiting let's, room. Let's forget right. that we brought this up. Okay. But no, no. Before we let him in. Let's at least have uh, a normal interview before we bring this up. Please. We'll bring okay. it up at the end. Before we get him in. There's no way it's him. There's one, like I, the chances. I'm not, not going to ask him. You'll have to ask him. But what I am going to ask you, Christopher, is did you have a poor upbringing? What? Like, did you, did your parents not raise you right? Like, what made you think that throwing eggs at cars? Dad, all kids do that stuff. Dude, just because you're playing Stratomatic with Paul Radke doesn't mean that it was abnormal for your son to go egging houses. Right. I accidentally egged my own grandma's house. That's a story for another time. Wow. You know, like, this is just what kids do. And like I said, tis the season. Halloween is this week. All right. I I was a follower. Oh, he's blaming okay. Alex now. Whatever my yeah, friends were doing, I was doing. I'm going to okay. let Joe in now. Speaking of the Eggman, here's Joe Johnson. Yes. Nice segue. I like it. <laughs> All right. Hi, Joe. There you are. Right around the right around the corner. Did you guys take a flight from North Perry to get here? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Impeccable doing, audio. Neighbor? Impeccable audio. Greg didn't even did, Greg didn't even hear your North Perry joke. He didn't even oh, I did. No, I, I know North Prairie Airport. My uh, sister-in-law used to live right there. I used to live right around the corner. I lived on uh, Douglas and, and, and uh, Pines right there by the Checkers, I believe it used to be. So, Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. so you, you live the way, By the way, you've jumped on a moving train. We just, we're always rolling, so we've started. That's cool. Well, yeah, no, I listen. I listen to, to the, as much as I can. Oh, good. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I'll, I'll get even with you at some point. <laughs> okay, so uh, before we get... Uh, I introduced you before, so people know that Joe Johnson of uh, Joe Johnson's Beetle Brunch fame is joining us and thrilled to have you. Um, Joe, before we get started with uh, everything else, I want to start with the obvious question that everybody is wondering. What is it like to go through life with the name Joe Johnson? Because I am so jealous, okay? I'm a Greg Cody. I've spent my entire (laughs) life having to spell my name, having to pronounce my name, having to correct people calling me Cot and Cotty and Cody with a D and, and Greg with two We Gs. got it. We got it. I what mean, I, I, I still get Johnston. Can you believe they would default to that one? That's, oh, a, that's I can. I but can. with this, Joe like Johnson, that. I was almost the Speaker of the House this week. So close. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know, I never considered Johnston with a T. Yeah, I get that all the time. From okay. my mother. You think she would know. <laughs> but seriously. <laughs> you looked at That's my birth funny. certificate once. That was the only time. Okay. Um, let, let's start at the beginning, Joe. Uh, you and I are neighbors, and I'm yeah. not sure. How, like, How far do you live from my dad in terms of roughly houses away? 
I uh, well, there was a big explosive fire a couple of weeks ago, yes. and uh, y- you live closer to that than me. And I- I'd probably say if if it wasn't for the turning of the street, probably like six houses away. Oh, okay. But so you, you go out and you turn around the block. Yeah, because I had I had a thing that you have to be within ten houses of someone to call them a neighbor. So I think your judges were clear. You guys are yeah. neighbors. Yeah, 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 for sure. But I, I think the first time I noticed you was either coming in out, out of uh, Dunkin' Donuts on University or at Publix, you know, and I finally said, yeah, I got to say hello to this guy. Excellent. So, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm yeah. sure glad you did because um, I, I don't want to say I grew up with you because you're probably younger than I am, but uh, I, I was raised by your, uh, all those years on, on, um magic 102.7 i mean that was my station yeah it was a great it was a great job because uh we were owned by lincoln financial so they had this great 401k and all these you know radio people never get that stuff you know they're inflatable furniture and they move to a new city uh, every couple of years and i didn't want to do that i grew up here so right um, yeah so magic was great it was a great place to work ron st john and eric brandon mindy lang and kenny held and sure and and all those people it was so much fun and uh we were the underdogs we had to take waxy 106 out and that was legendary rick shaw and all those people right. there were but you know that we were doing all oldies but uh waxy you'd tune over and they'd be playing like neil diamond's new song so right. we knew we had an we knew we had an end so we started doing all these promos that you know we don't play a little snack time you know we we play oldies all the time we kind of came out <laughs> but the, the fun thing about it is their production i was a production director too so their production director we go yeah well we're, we're you know it was funny we were promoing back and forth which was really fun to do it reminded me of those old qam and fun days now greg did you grow up here in south florida because yes. i was four when my pa- parents moved here yeah no i did too i i remember the old days of uh tiger beat radio and uh what was it wfun i can't WFUN. remember WFUN. yeah yeah wfun wfun that, that, yeah that, that's <laughs> 790 the ticket that's really who ah, that is yeah that's yeah right so the thing about WFUN, my dad used to drive a truck that was packed with candy and sodas, and he filled so- vending machines, and that was his job. And so in the summer, I rode with him. It was one of those trucks where it only had one seat, then a big engine box, and like a chain, so you, you right. might not fall out. So I usually had to stand or sit backwards on the da- on the uh, on the head, uh, you know, the the engine box. But anyway, we would go to one of our stops was WFUN. Can you believe they charged their air personalities ten cents for a cup of coffee? So we filled. <laughs> up yes. the machines and all that stuff <laughs> and as we were leaving out the back door there's this big garbage pile and i just took anything that was a record i didn't care so, like, so some of them were car commercials some of them were you know songs that nobody heard of i wish i had them because i used to put them in my lunch in my uh, bike basket and ride around with them so they probably cracked by about 10 minutes into the ride but uh, that was my first like staring at bobby bobby gordon here seven seven ninety <laughs> wfun hey everybody thanks for listening to the bobby gordon show appreciate you guys and then rick shaw was on on waxies oh yes indeed he do ricky ticky oh yes so oh, yeah how y'all doing <laughs> he would i remember i loved ricky ticky and it, it thrills thrills me to to talk about him you all right greg don't mind him this is a thing when he when he like you're gonna think you're gonna be panicking when he laughs he coughs it's oh, if he doesn't almost thing. die on an episode it's not really an episode you've made him that's when you know you've really made him laugh so uh, i i th- that was a great rickshaw i'm picturing yeah. rickshaw in that freaky greek fisherman's cap i just yeah. love that guy 
I loved him. Rick Shaw, yeah. I, I used to go to Dolphin Games with him. He bought he, four tickets in like 1966 or six, right at the beginning. And he was on like the 49-yard line. And when they built Joe Robbie Stadium, they stuck him like on the 10-yard line. So he complained and he got back. And I would go with him. We were in the shade on the home side at like, you know, 40, I don't know, 20 rows up. It was great. But then I got priced out. I mean, you know, I was paying him for my ticket and it was stupid money. But yeah. Um, but we went to the games and everybody recognized him. It was great, you know. And he, um, the funny thing about listening to him on the air is he would always be really loud. He'd go, uh, Waxy 106, the Beatles. And then it would be yesterday. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, everyone that, hyped up for, the, that for the slow <laughs> yeah. ballad, right? Save that for hell. Joe, be, you know? <laughs> Joe before we um, dive into your career in, in Beatle Brunch, I want to ask you a quick question. You, you mentioned the other night that you were at the same event with. Uh, our friend Ron McGill, how did that come about? Like, you're an MC, right? You do all these things. I do a lot of MCs. I didn't MC. Uh, oh, I did the Biltmore has their Halloween party. So they asked me to do that. And I always call in him to come be a judge because he comes fully prepared. He's 12 feet tall with a. With Count a, Rockula. Yeah, yeah, you got to meet exactly. Ronkula. Ronkula, yeah. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, he's, he's great. And uh, so I knew he'd be excellent. And to make him say yes, I said, oh, we want Rita too. So, you know, bring her out. And then, <laughs> so they were the couple. And then I had a couple of TV judges. So uh, I've hung around him a few times. Um, we have a couple of mutual friends, somebody from CBS4, and they were filming something at our, uh, when I was doing mornings at Magic, they came in and stuff. And of course, he's just, uh, he's, you've, you bring it out in him, and so does Dan Lebetard. I mean, he's so good on the air. I mean, he's like, just throw any kind of animal or bug, and he can tell you, uh, you know, the size. Well, you guys did this the other day. What size penis did he have? Or yeah, something? right. Yeah, yeah. Of course. That's a, it's a, popular, that. that's a popular one for us. I, yeah. I heard a rumor, Joe, that at this, uh, Halloween event that you emceed with McGill that somehow uh, the 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 Pride of a Lion book coming out December fifth was mentioned at that event. How did that How did that happen? That was me. That was yeah. me. That was me. Actually, I guess I had heard you and Ron, and then I heard Ron talking about it somewhere. But uh, yeah, I heard both of you talking about it. So I figured, well, that'll up my ante with Ron. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to that. Actually, I already ordered the book, so it's pre order for me. So All right, super, I'm gonna, yeah, pre order. I can't wait. Dad, this is getting a little gross. Like, are we going to mention it every episode? Like, can we go one episode without? Yeah, but mentioning I thought it? that was pretty discreet, though. I thought okay. it was, that was very subtle. All right. The very way subtle. you worked it in, it could have been anybody that dropped the the. Yeah, the yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, Joe, uh, let's start chronologically a little bit because I'm fascinated by what your career is and and how it started and what it became. What, what was your first job uh, speaking into a mic? Like, how did that begin? It was when I um, I won. I ha actually have a copy of it here. I'll hold it up. Are you hold it up to the camera? It's a Bobby Caldwell heart shaped forty five of what you want to do for love, wow. and it's actually it's actually red inside. I won this at Love ninety four FM, which is ninety three nine. They're the I guess they're the beat or whatever that is. And um, I went to play it, and it was skipping. So I thought, well, let me call the station, and maybe they'll let me bring it back and swap it out. So I did. I went up there, and I met the program director, uh, Rick Peters, who's still a good friend of mine. And he, he says, no, you just didn't have your stylus, you know, tied heavy enough. And he played it a little bit. So he gave me a new one, and I was, like, all nervous, and I was, like, sweaty. And I was like, you got any jobs around here, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> he goes, well... Our morning guy, uh, Skip Herman at the time, Herman McBean, I'm sure you're, I don't know if Chris remembers, but you do. I do. And uh, Skip Herman was the morning guy, and my job was to steal the traffic. We didn't have traffic service, so he, he gave me this radio that had like five memory buttons, and I knew that WIOD did their traffic at like three minutes after, 
winds did it at like 12 after so <laughs> i had the times written I'd, so i would write down the traffic and i would bring it into him and he would go there's a backup on the palmetto you know whatever it is, you know, pirate a traffic report that's incredible yeah. and i was i'm sitting there thinking why doesn't somebody get like an airplane and fly around and instead of having six airplanes we had alabrera and all these guys flying around um why don't they just have a place that gives everybody the traffic and i I should have started it, but I was too busy looking for records in the garbage heap. <laughs> but, uh, so I, I got to cut to the uh, Beetle Brunch phenomenon because that's, I think that's what you're most known for, right? I Joe hope Johnson's so. I mean, Beetle I Brunch. put it, and you know, you guys, I didn't want, I don't want to bring this up without permission, but I, I, you were talking about the other day on one of the podcasts about how, how many uh, uh, columns it takes to write the book for Ron yeah, McGill. And yes. I can totally relate because my commute when I was just recently at WLRN was out, an hour and something a day. And I would come home with the way I could have produced five Beetle Brunch programs. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And, and it start, I started to think, you know, I'm not making a ton of money. It's costing me gas and tolls. You know, it's like a break even deal. So, you know, all I can do is hope maybe I could think up a premise for my next show in the car. But, uh, but I go. used to do compare it to like, you know, what I could be doing instead. So for people who don't know, describe Beetle oh. Brunch. When did it start? Uh, what is it? Uh, why is it so damn popular after all of this time? <laughs> and there's new stuff coming out next week. So isn't it? It's, it's like Thursday. This is perfect timing to have you. It, thank you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I called up Paul the other day and I said, can you have uh, the release of that CD? Just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what Chris would appreciate have done. That. Yeah. Around the Greg Cody show, of course. Yeah. Appreciate yeah. that. So, <laughs> um, anyway, um, I bought a car in 1992 Mitsubishi that had a CD player and i never had a car with a nindash cd player so i was going on a long trip i grabbed a bunch of cds from behind me and they were beetle, beetle bootlegs and stuff and it was great and i went back to work on monday and i said to my boss rick peters the guy that i ended up working with again after that other station i said there's nobody doing a beetle show in this market on the radio it'd be great you know he goes why don't you do one i said all right and he goes all right we'll work up a demo so that went on the weekend and i did a a demo of what it would be like and then he goes okay we'll start it next week so it was like wow and it was all analog back then there was no you know everything was real to real and you know and in real time if you made a mistake you know you had to go back and, and play the song again and all that so um that's how it started it started the station um magic at the time owned five other stations so there was immediately he put it on all them which was kind of cool so it started on these different stations and i was mailing out these big real to real tapes like every uh every week and then eventually i just um started calling on radio stations that were oldies and t convincing them to take and i'd have to mail them a cassette you know and stuff like that so i got it up to like 38 stations on my own and then i went to westwood one uh syndicator and they took the show on and they took it to like over 100 markets and i was with them for like maybe 18 years or something and they just decided recently a couple of years ago they're not going to do music shows i think they do a lot of sports and talk and stuff mm -hmm. um i know they do baseball and, and nfl and stuff so um I, I have this other company that syndicates it for me, but everything that this is my studio here and my, my um, every, younger, the today's generation doesn't need all these CDs, but I like to look at them and, you know, yeah. that's why I can't believe that albums are popular again, because it couldn't be more inconvenient to have an album. I mean, I love to read it, <laughs> but it's like, oh, I got to get up <laughs> and flip true. this up. I mean, and then, you know, we used to have those little 45s that would drop down or the album would, you know, plunk down and it would, you know. So, Joe, um, Beetle Brunch is a roughly a 30-year-old 
um, successful syndicated radio show that is um, and and tell us a little bit about it and and tease people on on why they should listen to it because I think you know my attitude is you either grew up with the Beatles or you want to go back and and because you regret you di- you didn't and and because they're such yeah. a phenomenal group I think generations past and present are are still fascinated by the Beatles. Um, what do you want your show to convey? Well, you know, the one thing I never do shows about, oh, they were drugged out or, and, and that kind of thing. I try not to do that stuff. I, I don't make fun of Yoko. It's an easy joke, you know, what, back right. in the day. So I kind of be respectful, but, um, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's pre-recorded, but I'm used to doing things live. So I just, I write the script and I just kind of read it into the Pro Tools and edit it all down. But wh- I think that... Uh, you take a good feeling away, you know, when you, it feels good when you, when you're done listening and uh, there's some kind of wrap up, you know, I think I played um, a show the other day and I thought, well, th- with all the stuff that's going on in the Middle East, I had uh, Ringo has a, a version of give peace a chance. I mean, I didn't have to say who it was for, but when you connect a song and, and somebody can relate to it, to something uh, that's human, I think it, uh, it resonates with them. And, uh, I like to make sure I'm a production guy, so I like to make sure the production is on. It's not, you know, you're not hearing tail ends of other stuff or skips or things like that. People coughing in the middle of it. <laughs> well, there, I've done shows on mistakes, and there are songs where they they're coughing in the in the middle. Well, first of all, right. broken the a one glass, that, broken a glass. Yeah. That's right, 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 right. I love what I love about the Beatles is like the little riffing before some songs, like before, like get back. It's like da 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 da, like you know what I mean, like like the stuff where you can tell they're just Loretta, in the studio. Sweet Loretta, yeah, that's what I, you know, I dig a pygmy. Say bye, Charles Hawtrey. <laughs> I saw somebody <laughs> like, the other day with a shirt. Um, uh, I, What's it? I dig a pygmy by Charles Hawtrey. So that's it, awesome. Does anybody else do that? Like, was that just the like? I feel like the Beatles. That's their thing. It is kind of their thing, and when, that's what I love best about the anthology. And it's funny because I started the show in 1992, and as soon as I started it, uh, they came out with the Beatles at the BBC, the double CD. So there's what I love about that is there's all the oh Ringo's going to take a request now. I'd like yeah, to. Yeah. Uh, I, that's my favorite stuff, and I can yeah. do a whole show of just letting them make requests and me playing the song. So that came out, and then about uh, one year and a half later, I still have the poster. Um, the anthology came out, so that was like a whole big, crazy amount of uh, releases. The anthology had ended up with three CDs and all these bonus track CDs. And um, I was visiting. It's funny. I was visit. I had this picture on the wall behind me. I was visiting Abbey Road Studios, and I took the identical picture with me sitting on the steps as they are. The Beatles are on the steps at, at that same building at Abbey Road, and there was a. Uh, not a limo, but a Rolls Royce parked in front of Abbey Road Studios, but it wasn't in a parking space. And I go, this can only be like George Martin that could get away with that. <laughs> so I looked in the back of the of the car and there was all these like pamphlets and it said the Beatles anthology and it hadn't come out yet. Oh, and, oh and I God. took it. I mean, I think maybe people knew about it and I took a picture of through the window to get a picture of the of the magazines, but windows reflect. And there was a guy standing next to me in a John Lennon shirt, which I didn't know till I got the pictures developed and he's doing this. <laughs> 
He's doing that John, the guy on the shirt, the John Lennon's doing that weird, you know, mad at you. Th- I'm mm-hmm. cool, you know. And I had no idea that was going to be on this New York City shirt, right? Yeah, it might be the New York City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was his face, you know. And I didn't know he was going to end up in the photo, which is kind of eerie, you know, at the time. So, you know, just knowing that anthology and then Paul McCartney started touring. I mean, I'm, you, Greg, you must have gone to one of the or more McCartney shows, I think maybe. Oh, I, yeah, I, yeah. We went to the one at, uh, at the stadium, the big. Uh, Hard Rocks. Uh, I don't know if it was Hard Rock Stadium yet. I don't think it was. You but. just went last year, though, right? As well, uh, right? We, uh, yeah, we've seen McCartney a, a couple of different times. Uh, uh, I regret. I'm, I'm still trying to see Ringo's All Star Band. We haven't. Uh, we haven't seen that yet. But he puts on a good show. But Joe, I have to ask you. You've met McCartney, right? Yeah, we. Um, I I was trying for a long time, and they were always blocking me, and you know it was hard. And uh, I had a good friend that that distributed Capital, and she was always you know helping me, and I would help her out. So I got a call from his publicist one day when I was at Magic, and he said, um, "You want to interview Paul McCartney?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, it's great." He goes, "Okay, uh, Saturday night in Tampa." You know, and it's like, oh, and I said, "But he's practicing. He's rehearsing like six miles away at the American Airlines Arena." You know, oh, you don't want to do the interview? No, no, no. I'll I'll drive to Tampa. So we drove up to Tampa and um, got there. And uh, I went to the wrong venue first, and then I <laughs> left my recorder in the car. Oh. Then I went and got it. Then I came back in, and then they invited me to the sound check, and I was so screwed up that I barely got there in time. But he came around to um, do the interview with me. And this, what they he does, he did then. He travels with all of his same backstage stuff, so he's not caught sitting on a leather couch. That kind of stuff. So he's got like fake leather chairs and fake palm trees. And I think that makes the staff feel more comfortable too. So I'm all there. I'm all sweaty because I was running from outside. And uh, I had this mini disc player, which I still have. uh, And I had tested it all day. And I hit the button and I'm talking into the mic or whatever. And he's there and I go to hit the thing and it it won't turn on. Now we have our iPhones. It would not turn on. And I'm thinking there's a guy shooting video. Maybe I could ask him nicely. Can I have the audio from that? Or I'll just pretend I have this is working. What am I going to do? You know, I can't. Oh, my God. So he goes, oh, I see the old tape player's not working, huh? Yeah. So I went like this, and it, it came on, luckily. So that's a mistake I'll never make again. Oh, you know, right? that's, that, that's got to be the one of the low feelings of, oh, you're not oh. recording this. No, too bad, <laughs> he, Joe. Was he a nice guy? Did you like him? He was so wonderful because he oh, That would have been funny if you ripped him. <laughs> just a piece of shit no <laughs> if uh, yeah hey jude what does that mean um <laughs> i just uh i i it was great because he when i was saying something he waited and then he answered and i've interviewed ringo before he goes yeah yeah i know it's in the beatles okay yeah i know come on. what's your question hurry up i gotta get at her so uh paul was like so relaxed and he was really cool and i asked him some questions of you know did he ever have voice lessons or what you know i I tried, they, well, what, what the great thing was, or the funny thing was, his publicist said to me, don't talk about Linda, don't talk about Heather, don't talk about his kids, don't talk about the Beatles, only talk about the new album and the tour. Oh, wow. And I said, and I said, okay. So I go, Paul, I saw your tour kick off at the American Airlines Arena last night, and you played for like two and a half hours. Oh, in the Beatles days, we'd uh, play for 29, <laughs> if, 27 if we didn't like you. Oh, so he's so off and running. <laughs> then you brought it running. up. <laughs> Since you mentioned it. Yeah, yeah don't funny. get in trouble. Uh, don't tell on me, Paul. I brought it. But I, I was t- really referring to yesterday, the con- well, the concert that I had seen last night, the night before. 
so he was great yeah he was once he opened the beatles door you know i mean i tried to, i was familiar with the new cd it was chaos and creation in the backyard oh, and, i love that one and i knew his p- photographer was there and and i said i asked him bill um bill something if he would take a couple of pictures and he did so anytime like somebody is on facebook and they'll go hey here's me with uh, todd rundgren can you beat that and I just post my Paul McCartney picture. They go, game over, you know. Well, has there been has there been a, a, a better pinch me moment in your career than meeting McCartney for the first time? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I got contacted by the Today Show in 2004 to do uh, something for the 40th anniversary, I guess it was. And so this. they actually sh- filmed in my house, in my studio here, <laughs> yeah. and a couple of other clubs. And it was Kerry Sanders, but he was never at any of the shoots. They just, they stuck him in at the end, you know, from NBC. And then when, sadly, when George Harrison died, I got a phone call from CNN and I was on for like half an hour with Wolf Blitzer and they would come back so, to me. So this is fourth. So this is fourth. What's fourth? The, the Greg Cody show is fourth on your list. Like, well, dude. I don't know. If you, you keep giving out prizes, I'll move you up to number two. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> We've got a floating head sticker of Greg Cody's floating head sticker to the 39th caller. Um, Joe, we have to let you go soon, but before Don't say we that do, to a radio person. I know, I know. I'm, I'm but before we do, I, I, I have to ask you about the new music, the, the old new music, supposedly the last Beatles song ever. How are they advertising this? Something is dropping in a few days. Yeah, it's, is they're it? calling it the, the final Beatles record, and it's uh, based on a 1978 demo that John Lennon had done. He put a boombox on his piano in the Dakota, and he played piano and, and sung, sung along to it. And when they got inducted, the, uh, Lennon got inducted into the Hall of Fame in 04, Yoko gave Paul this cassette that had four songs on it. It had the two, you know, we free as a bird and real love. It had grow old with me that which they George Martin produced really lush. And then it had this other one now and then, and uh, they tried, you know, recording it, but George hated it. And he's kind of stormed out. He goes, no, this is a piece of crap. It's not working. So they always had this thing. If one person doesn't want to do it, we're not going to do it. So they put it away. And I guess uh, I have I saw a clip of Paul saying, hey, you know, we have a little song called uh, Now and Then. And one of these days I'm going to pop it out of there. And Jeff Lynn, you and I are going to record it. So they ended up adding um, guitar that would sound like George, but they still had the original session. And then Ringo drum, Paul played a bunch of instruments and sang. And then they took in the harmonies from Because, Here, There and Everywhere and Eleanor Rigby, just the harmony tracks. And they they spaced it out. I haven't heard the song. I mean, it, it, I can't believe it hasn't leaked because everything leaks somehow, right, yeah. you know? So, wow, I, I, I mean, I've heard the demo of it because the demo was um, released on a, like Lost Lennon tapes or something like that. But that's it. And it's coming out Thursday. Uh, I know you guys are excited about it. And then um, there's going to be all kinds of videos around it. And then uh, the week later, the, you remember these red and blue CD? Um, they were well they're cds they're in your background actually yeah that's right yeah, they're yeah CDs, but they started out as albums and yep. uh they're coming out with these and they're adding like another 21 tracks or something because if you look at it i remember looking at this there's not one song with george harrison's voice on it on the red one none oh, that he's, he's written so they went back and they fixed up that they put some cover songs they put some songs from uh um uh, a revolver in there too as well to uh, flesh it out a little bit and then they went back and remixed with that thing that uh, that ai they're calling it where they go and find the vo- voice and separate it from the guitar and all that so it's uh, i mean i think they're this is really the the last and the, they're like 83 these guys you know so uh ringo actually looks looks really good you know, he bounces around on stage actually he fell last week and this tmz put it up on on their oh, uh, 
yeah, he fell. And the thing that surprised me is not one uh, band member got around to pick him up, but he popped up. <laughs> but the thing I want to say about these is how many times do we have to buy the same record? Right. You know, I bought Love Me Do or whatever. And then I bought the, the uh, Meet the Beatles. And then I bought, you know, even when this came out in 73, I bought that albums, which I have back there. Then they came out on the first draft of CDs. I bought those. Then they came out again. Oh, these are better than this. So I don't know. How, how many times do I have to buy, you know, back in the USSR and Love Me Do? Well, that's, and, you say that this now and then is going to be the last Beatles release, but give them a, you know, let's we'll see how <laughs> there's always more. They always find a way to have more. They do. Yeah. And, it, and I mean, I think that Paul satisfies a lot of uh, desires for people because he's got that book with all these, I was trying to contact his publicist, bring, just bring the Miami. He took the, all the photos in this book um, that came out a couple of months ago. They're all from his camera on tour, three sixty three, four and five. And, um, the thing about it is the Miami pictures. There's like 72 Miami pictures that I've most I've never seen before. They were taken by him. It'd be great if somebody's 60th anniversary is coming up, you know, in, in February. And uh, if somebody listening to the Greg Cody uh, podcast uh, wants to put a little, even hard rock, maybe the Hard Rock Guitar Hotel would put an exhibition together or something, because mm -hmm. I saw it in London. Joe, tell, um, tell people how they can find Beetle Brunch in their area, like no matter where they live, how do they get a I list mean, of stations? I mean, the, you, my website, uh, it's brunchradio.com to make Apple happy, but it's beetlebrunch.com. And um, you just go there. If you want to be a member, you can be a member of the club and, and hear every uh, we're loading shows up that go back to 1992. So there's hundreds of shows up there. It's funny to listen to one from 30 years ago. I'm like, ah, yeah. <laughs> but um, but anyway, that's the best way. Brunchradio.com. Uh, it would be great. They, they can contact me there. I'm on Facebook for there's a Beetle Brunch show Facebook page, too. So, I mean, I answer ever pretty much if I see it, I'll, I'll reply. So, and, and, and leave us with, uh, leave us with a quick, uh, 30 second routine from your, your old stand up comedy, uh, days. Oh, wow. Oh, let me see here. <laughs> I, I, I think I texted you. I wrote some stuff for Jay Leno when he was filling in for, um, oh, nice for, uh, Carson before he became. And so we had to write so many, me and this other guy wrote like, I think the magic number was he needs 26 jokes for every monologue. So we wrote, we wrote, I don't know, like four pages. And so it, it was 80, 1989. So, you know, it was, uh, one of the jokes was, uh, Leona Helmsley. Remember how she had tax evasion? <laughs> so I wrote this joke and he actually did it on the air and you can kind of hear him now. He's like, ah, you know, Leona Helmsley, uh, they're coming out with this new Leona Helmsley doll. It's so, uh, it's so lifelike, uh, when you buy it, you don't have to pay tax. <laughs> you know, so yeah, I was trying to write in Jay Leno's, uh, and then it was the same year that Dick Clark was retiring and um, Reagan was leaving office. Wow. And, you know, that Dick Clark is retiring after 26 years, and uh, uh, with Dick Clark retiring and Reagan Reagan leaving office, the Grecian formula company had to lay off a thousand workers. <laughs> I mean, I was trying to find my inner Jay Leno. That's not normal. Yeah, that's my, my comedy. That's good. So that was that was fun hearing your your joke on on Leno. That, that was, oh, that's that was cool. So, but anyway, what's up with you guys? How long you've been doing the podcast? Like I see you have like 45 of them up or something. So it's yeah. great. Congrats. This year. <laughs> this year. Well, yeah, we this just, year, right? of course. Yeah, we we've been doing we, it for uh, three or four years. We just started doing dad jokes though. So our audience is really taking <laughs> off now. That's true. And, and they were so bad that, that the bit got suspended until uh, Thanksgiving. So it'll be back soon. No, it's been three and a half years. Greg actually ushered in the pandemic with this show. He caused it. I did. Okay, that's that's a good compromise. Yeah, we started one week before the pandemic. Um, Joe, we'll let you go. I appreciate it. We'll see you when uh, we'll see you in the hood. 
Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm honored to be on. I was wondering what, uh, why would you guys want me on? But it was fun being here. I appreciate it. Fun being at, it was fun being home. Well, I, I tell you what, for, for any kid who grew up loving music, um, you, people sometimes say that about my career in sports writing. You've, you've had a career that a lot of people would want to emulate, believe me. Well, it's because my dad worked in the prison system, and I said, anything but that. I'm just going to, where can I make a living being funny and just, you know, playing songs? So that was, that was, I mean, for the first five years, you make like $2 an hour. Yeah. But if you hang in there, you know, you might get that. That's great. Super duper. Thank you guys. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate right. it. Thanks. Enjoyed it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, I want to talk to you about Sheets and Giggles. They're our lover. We love them. They love us. And if you love us, you should support them. Sheetsgiggles.com slash Greg. Promo code Vitality. My dad made a weird joke a few weeks ago about his vitality in the bedroom. So, of course, we took that and made it our promo code. You can get 20% off the entire site. Sheets, comforters, pillows, the whole nine yards. Uh, I don't know why we say nine yards. It should be, you know what, it's the whole ten yards. It's a first down. It's not second and one for Sheets and Giggles. It's a first down because it's the whole 10 yards. My wife is constantly telling me, hey, can you text Colin? We need more of this. We need another comforter. We have to give my sister these sheets because my wife's a twin and she loves to share everything with her sister. And it's the best thing you can do for someone is give them something that they use every night. Most gifts you give someone, they use it once or twice a month, maybe. A sheet is something you don't think about, but you use it every night and it changes your life when you get into it at night and you just feel the warmth and the coolness all at once. I'm rambling at this point because I love this product so much and I want you to love it. So try it. Go to sheetsgiggles.com slash Greg. Promo code Vitality. 20% off the entire site. It's a quality product. Go now. Dad, why did you just say ow when you sat down? My legs are sore, yeah. like super sore. Um, sore. Like, yeah. <laughs> and and the only thing I can think of is that yesterday I spent, two, I would say, two or three hours going up and down a ladder putting up uh, Halloween decorations. And I'm not used to the up and down of a ladder on my legs. <laughs> and I didn't feel it yesterday. I didn't feel it earlier today when I was at the Dolphin game. But, man, I am feeling it right now. That's funny. Wait, so like, did you put Christmas lights up? Like, why were you getting up and down? Like, what kind of decorations were you putting up? You know, Halloween. I'm putting spooky things, hanging spooky things in my tree. Oh, so how many yeah. how many ladder climbs are we talking here? Um, I would say one, two, three, four, times two, eight. Um, I don't know, a dozen. Okay. I you thought know. you. I thought maybe you just like last time we talked about working out. You thought just walking around your house was working out. So I thought maybe you just <clears throat> maybe got into the beverages yesterday and did a lot of laps from your couch to your garage. Well, no, I guarantee. I guarantee you, though, going up and down a ladder is exercise. 
and uh, and I need more of it because um, my legs are terrible right now. How about those dolphins? <laughs> well, there's a transition for you. Yeah. Um, first of all, let me do a little bit of bragging. In my NFL picks in the Miami Herald, I picked the Miami Dolphins to win today's game over New England, thirty-one to seventeen. And what was the score? Thirty-one, 31 to seventeen. Wow. A rare how, how exacto. Often, you've been doing this for literally decades. So, like, right. how often does it happen? A couple times a season. Yeah, I would say a couple of times not, a season. You'll hit one game. Like, it's not just you don't do it with the Dolphins a couple times a season. Like, it happens. No, it could be a random game, right? Yeah. It, and and it's in most of it's luck, but still. That would be cool if you tracked throughout the years all the games you hit exactly right. (laughs) I am anal retentive, but not not quite that bad. Um, Since we're bragging and talking about stuff that people don't really care about, I I hit a parlay today. Did you see the end of that Jets game? I did not. Mom told me about it. The Jets, just um, in miraculous fashion, very lucky if you're a gambler with the Jets money line. And I hit a five-game parlay that paid over eight hundred dollars on the on the Jets coming back there because they were not supposed to win that game. And oh, they, wow. they like they barely get into overtime, and then they don't get the ball first. Luckily, the Giants were playing with a quarterback. Ooh, I don't know. I think it was Danny DeVito's son. I don't know. <laughs> All right. There were so many times today that I was watching the football, the the Dolphins game with my friend, two friends, and. Just sitting on a couch, just with a couple Dolphins fans, and just being like, "I love football." Like with this team, you know, yeah. where it's they they're in the red zone and they and they lose some yardage, so it's like third and long inside the red zone. Normally, as a Dolphins fan, it's just that's a field goal. I don't have right. to worry about it. But it's just like I think they're going to get this here, and that's I just love. I don't even care what happens here. Just the idea that my mindset is they're going to get this is right. like a space I've never lived in as a football fan. And I am just, I'm, I'm trying to live in the moment and literally just be like, guys, this is fun right now. This team that yeah. we have and they got it. They ended up getting to like fourth and one and then they go for it. And it's just like, this is everything I've ever dreamed of from a football team. Yeah. Here's, here's the funny thing though. And, and I, I mean, this is a, as a compliment, the weird thing is, I didn't think the Dolphins played that well on offense they today overall. They didn't. I mean, they could not run the ball to for to save their life. A couple bad turnovers. I mean, deep deep into the second half, I'm thinking to myself, why wow, they are off, the defense is winning this game. They are off today offensively, and then they wind up with 31 points. There have been games in the past, uh, Dolphin teams in the past couple of decades where we throw a parade when they score yeah. 31 points. Yeah. And now they score 31, and it's like, eh, they, they, they were a little bit off. They score 31 with only Austin Jackson remaining as a starting offensive lineman. Right. I agree with you. They didn't play that well. There were frustrating moments, and they still got to 31 points with a beat-up offensive line. Yeah, and, and by the way, how about Jalen Ramsey making his first appearance of the season? Unbelievable. Yeah. And in real time, that looked like a bad throw by Mac Jones. Because at, at first, I was just like, oh, he just threw that right to him. But no, that was Ramsey covering someone else, reading Mac Jones, and just jumping the route. Yeah. Now, now here's the thing, though. And and what I'm about to say, again, is, is offset a little bit by the fact that Kansas City shockingly lost today to Denver, which takes a little bit of the sizzle out of next week's um, Dolphin Chiefs game in Germany. Why? No, it doesn't. It's the two well, top teams, six and two. Dad, it just it proves that the Chiefs, um, I don't want to do this. I don't want to overreact. <laughs> it seems like there's. I don't see the dominant team. That Even the right. 49ers, 
lost. No, you're right. I mean, they the Bengals yeah. seem to, the Bengals are a good team. So like, you right. know, but my point is, it just seems like at the top, even with the good teams, the Bills, the Chiefs, the Dolphins, yeah. the Eagles lost to the Jets. It just seems like it, uh, when you get in like in that mix, it's kind of a crapshoot. You know what I mean? You just got to be healthy right. at the end of the year. And, you know, it doesn't seem like there's that dominant team this year. Which plays well for the Dolphins, I think. Yeah. That's a hell of a game in Germany. Wow. How good would the Jets be if Aaron Rodgers was healthy? Because they're four. Um, the Jets are four and three. With, yeah, with Zach Wilson. Yeah, they got a real defense. As I, no doubt about I that. was rooting for the Jets today because of my parlay, which is a, I've never wanted to do that. But right. there were times late in that game, like there was a fourth and nine late in the game where they need a touchdown. And he just sits back, sits back, sits back. And we're like, he like scrambles, gets a little space and then just never throws it and right. takes the sack. And it was just like, it's fourth down. Chuck it up. Like, like it's a punt you're punting <laughs> yeah. at this point if uh, interceptions better than a sack it was so infuriating to be like wow i would if i was a jets fan this would be very frustrating yeah no doubt and and to your larger point this is one of those weird seasons where any of five or six teams you could call the best team in the league and miami is absolutely in that conversation which they haven't been in decades it, it's a crazy situation down here. Um, and, and speaking of crazy situations, from the from the Dolphin press box late morning today, I am watching a feed of a horse race from Rome, Italy, and I'm watching my horse race calmly. Wow! Finish third <laughs> in a Grade Two race. That's not bad. Okay, well, like that's, that's pretty good. She's had a few bad races, so is yes. Is there still a chance for her, or is she just kind of, you know, ra- racing for nothing? She's run seven career races, and she's had two wins and a, and a show. So she's one place her showed in three out of seven, which to me is not bad. <clears throat> but, but, but but that doesn't mean anything, because you don't really know what... No, that's true. And, like, and is, that a Spencer, good per- is that a good percentage? I don't know. I don't know either. And Clark Spencer, who knows a lot more about the industry than I do, is, is speculating unofficially that... Um, Team Valor, my syndicate, uh, may be making whispers about possibly uh, selling selling uh, calmly. So we're going to see how that works out because, um, by the way. How would and, that and work? You, so you would stay with them and get a new horse or you would stick with calmly and leave? I don't know. I, I would probably get my little tiny share of calmly and, and either be divested or invest in a new horse. I well, think yeah, that's I mean, you should that clearly do that, right? I mean, you're having fun right. with it. Oh, yeah. No, I love being a horse race owner, a even owner. if it's fractional. Yeah. Let me ask you this. <clears throat> what is more annoying and, and more look at me, me talking about calmly the racehorse or me talking about my new book, The Pride of a Lion? Yeah, Dad, we already did this. We told, we mentioned it earlier with Joe Johnson. Like, we don't. Oh, yeah, right. Darn. Like, I'm, I'm, I know it's like a, it's becoming a sticky bit thing, but we really yeah. don't need to, like, talk about it every time. I know you're right. I didn't mean to bring it like up there. The diehards of our, the diehards have already pre-ordered it. Okay. Well, we're looking for more diehards. We're looking for more pre-orders. Um, I, I normally, also I, I do want to real fast as I, now that I think of it, I want to mention on this platform. I mentioned it on the Levitard show that the Lauer After Hours family lost one of their biggest contributors and one of their most passionate. You know, he supported the Levitard show. It's Ant Stiano. He passed away of cancer. He died of oh cancer a week back or so. And oh, no. I just wanted to mention him on this platform as well because he was always so incredibly kind. And, and you could say that about a lot of these Lauer After Hours peoples with with how they follow and support 
the shows we do and they send always, you know, I could name dozens of them that have sent me so many kind things over the years. But Ant was as kind and we had a back and forth with through DMs where we, you know, we just had a, a bunch of interactions throughout the years. So it's, it's sad that, you know, he was going through that. I didn't even know he was sick. So I never really got to, I engaged with him a lot, but I didn't get to really, you know, I, I felt bad about that. So I just wanted to on here say rest in peace to him. He, he had a wife and kids and I listened to the Lauer After Hour podcast about him and just hearing them talk about the countless things that he would send to different people like in their group. Like he sent me this because he saw it and thought of me. Like he was just incredibly kind and he will be missed. So I just wanted to say that. Wow. That's, that's I'm sorry to hear that. And um, I'm glad you mentioned it. And I thought that your energy level in this matched uh, an in-memoriam. So I thought okay. <laughs> if there was ever a time to do an in-memoriam, it was with the amount of energy that you okay. brought to this podcast. All right. Well, thank you, I think. And um, normally, I'm not the kind of guy who tries to ramrod three facts jack down down the throat of the show. Yeah. But in this case, I feel like I have to because it's a special Halloween edition. Oh, how about that? Or should I say Boo. You should say boo. You want to fake the music or do we add it after uh, in post-production? We always add it post. Okay, here we go. Three Facts Jack Halloween edition. I almost said tradition. Number three. And and in honor of you, these are a little shorter than they typically are. Okay, I'm Thank trying God. to bend to your wishes. Please. Number three. Please don't bend anything for me. One of the most famous and maligned treats associated with Halloween, candy corn, created in the 1880s, was first sold under the name Chicken Feed. <laughs> Number two. Okay. Well, like any explanation? Any more info about that? That's it. Okay. <laughs> Number two. The carved pumpkins now associated with Halloween were not always the produce of choice oh, for the I have, holiday. I have food here, and I thought he was just going to knock and leave, but he's still standing there, so I'll be right okay, back. Okay, go get it and come right back. Okay. Ridiculous interruption on the podcast. Food. Don't they just, we get Uber delivery and everything. They just knock on the door, <clears throat> leave it at the step, usually right in front of the door. So when you open the door, you, you knock over the bag. Anyway. I think I've screwed up the settings on my Uber Eats because in recent weeks, because for, for the last year or so, it was great. They knock, leave it and go. Right. So I heard a knock and I'm like, it's there. I'll finish recording with you and then I'll get it in a few minutes. But okay. then you get the second knock and it's like, oh, you're still there. You're waiting I for know. me. And so it's annoying. Like, but it's, and then I said, I thought that you were just going to leave it. And she's like, oh, no, it says on your thing, just knock. So wouldn't, oh. doesn't the, I thought that if I have my setting to just knock, that means just knock and leave. I have to, we're getting bogged down here. We can get back to the facts, but I just. Yeah. You should to, have invited her in to finish the podcast with us. Okay. Number two. Yeah. The carved pumpkins now associated with Halloween were not always the produce of choice for the holiday. Before pumpkins came into wide use. People would carve turnips, number one. Hold on a second. Let me, I, I mean, turnips is a... Turnips is like a gourd, like a something you eat, like turnips. Yeah, you know, but, collard greens and turnips and... Okay. Well, I've never like really... A, a, I've never eaten turnips. Oh. It's, it's a vegetable of some sort. Yeah, okay. it's a vegetable. It's like a gourdy kind of vegetable. And I don't mean gourdy how. It looks like a lot smaller butter. than a pumpkin. Looks like it's a, true. Like, looks like that's the probably small, why they went to pumpkins. Like the smallest version of a pumpkin that you can imagine. That's how big a turnip is. I think so. Yeah, that would take a a fine knife, like a fine hand, to carve a, a turnip. Yeah. Number one, the famous Michael Myers mask in the movie Halloween had a surprising origin. 
When shooting the original 1978 film, production designer Tommy Lee Wallace picked up two masks from a Hollywood Boulevard magic shop, a clown mask and a William Shatner as Captain Kirk mask from Star Trek. The cast thought the Shatner mask was perfect. They spray painted it white and the rest is history. It feels like you're still uh, feeling that cigar you smoked. <clears throat> I don't know, man. You know me and Sunday nights. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. My legs hurt. <clears throat> I <got a> sc- <laughs> Christ, Dad. I got a scratchy throat. I'm seeing my ENT tomorrow because my ears are clogged. I can't even hear anything. I'm probably talking extra loud right now because my ears are clogged. And so uh, we're going to try to get that uh, get that taken care of. Hopefully, by the time I roll into the Levitard show on Tuesday, I'll actually be able to hear. But this episode, I, I hope you all enjoyed it as much as me, because we really loved having Joe Johnson of Joe Johnson's Beetle Brunch on. I hope you all uh, uh, took my message about traveling to Cuba in the right way and uh, and, and, and heard it carefully. And, uh, and on that, thank you, podcast family, as always. Love you all. Appreciate your support every single week. And we'll see you next week. That kind of thing. Heard it carefully. Heard it carefully. <laughs> That's right. I love how you finally brought your best energy at like your last sentence of this podcast. That's right. And you know it. <laughs>